Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. So tonight, we're going to look at a bit of a Bible story. So get ready. Feel free to sit down, by the way. I realise you're all just standing. Go. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, But we are going to look at a bit of a Bible story. And I spend most of my time preaching to children. So I need you to work with me. We are going to do something very fun, in my opinion. We are going to put our imaginary shoes on. And that's when you go, ooh, everyone go, ooh. Um, oh, imaginary shoes and socks. I once had a little boy correct me on that. He said, you can't wear shoes without socks. That's gross. So we are putting our shoes and socks on because we are going to walk in the life of somebody else for a moment. We're going to imagine that we are somebody else. Can you do that with me? All right. I am going to describe to you some characteristics about your new self. I'm going to tell you who you are, and I want you to think about it. I want you to embody it, allow your body to feel it, feel what this might feel like. Are you ready? Are you sure? All right. Pre-warning. This isn't super fun, what's about to occur. So it's okay to not feel okay. You ready? All right, it is the year 4 BC. That's a really long time ago. You are living in the country of Israel. You are a Jewish woman. And that's when you go, ooh. Yes. Once again, just imagine, (laughs) at the age of 14, you are to be married. Your status is heavily based upon you bearing a son. Speaking of childbirth, you have one in five chance of dying from it. Your male Jewish counterparts say a prayer most days. In the temple, that goes a little bit like this. Blessed are you, God, our Lord, King of the universe, who has not made me a woman. You are seen as a vessel of sin, vulnerable to deception, and unable to follow the laws of God as good as a male. Who can feel a pattern developing in what I'm saying? You are last uh, to inherit property. All money earned is not yours, but is controlled and gained by your husband or your father or whoever is looking after you. Without a male guardian, you have no rights or livelihood. Your faith is understood through the teachings of only females. Therefore, you're not taught the Torah like your brothers. And rabbis have even been said to say the words of the Torah should be burnt rather than entrusted to a woman. Ooh, (laughs) I can feel the intensity in the room. You're not allowed to worship in the inner courts of the temple. You are forbidden to speak to any man that you do not personally know. 
In court, your testimony is considered unreliable and you spend your day grinding grain, warm water, cooking. You're a second-class citizen. All right, I'm going to stop there. How do you feel? Super empowered and uplifted as a woman in this time? (laughs) Or not really? Everything I just described gives you just a bit of a taste, a bit of a setting, a reality to the world of a woman that we have all probably heard of, Mary, Jesus' mother. Uh, mother, yes. So I want you to keep that description, keep that thought process about her life in the back of your mind as we read a bit of a story from the Gospel of Luke. We're going straight to chapter 1. And the setting is this. Mary has just been visited by an angel called Gabriel saying, hey, you're going to have a baby and it's Jesus who's the Lord. And she's like, okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Sure, 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 sure. And so she's pregnant. Cool. That's our setting that we are diving into. And so we are going to be reading from Luke verses 139 to 56. Can we get that on the screen? At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. Pause. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, who is also pregnant at this time, and she has a baby inside of her who is later going to become John the Baptist. And so... This lady, cool fact about her, she's pretty old. She was barren for most of her life. So she's having this miracle child who she's pregnant with at this moment when when she's coming to visit her cousin. Cool. Play. Angry. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you... Among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary says, All right, this is the big, the big part. We are about to be introduced to a bit of a song. It could be a poem, but it's, it's most known as Mary's Song. And we are going to read it together. I won't sing it for you, but we'll read it. I'm sorry, James. All right. <laughs> my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then they returned home. Woo! We did it. We read through it all. So we have Mary who's pregnant. She hurriedly hastes to go see her cousin who is also pregnant. And they spend three whole months together hanging out with the Holy Spirit, singing songs. But there's something super special about this song that we're going to unpack. To be honest, when I first read this story, I sort of thought, oh, that's cute. <laughs> That's a nice little story. It's really cute. You know, they're both pregnant and they're spending time together and they're hanging out with God. Like, that's a really cute story. I like that. And I moved on. But I think through looking at it, I see this incredible scene of two overlooked and unseen women in a scandalous situation. God fills them with his spirit even though they're not allowed in the inner courts of the temple to be close to the Ark of the Covenant, which is meant to be God's presence on earth. They don't have to go to the temple and be in that room to experience the presence of God. God comes to them. The Holy Spirit comes to them, the second-class citizens, the women who were left out. Women calling themselves blessed, even though their fathers, their brothers and their husbands have a prayer about thanking God for not being a woman, saying we are blessed because we're not women. But here they're saying, hey, we're women and we're blessed. This is what she's saying. I've got here and I I don't know if I should, I'll just say it. In the words of Chance the Rapper, way up, I feel blessed. (laughs) Woo. That was the last minute edit. (laughs) That's for Pastor Jamie, that one. Mary shows in her song that she sees something, that God has come to turn the world around, that, that he favours those the world has maybe rejected. He remembers those who have been forgotten. He listens to those who maybe have been silenced. That he would come and rebuild a community of all people united in the love of their differences. Though Mary's song... Oh, God will speak through those being silenced. Yes, we've said that. Through Mary's song, we see that this logic of the old, a society framed by your status, by your sex, your occupation, your race, your place in the world, were you born in a farming family, a royal family, a serving family? These structures no longer exist in the new kingdom. No longer divide and separate people from God. No power, no no longer is power found in the centre of these kingdoms and these social structures, but rather in the margins, a place where all people are welcome. To marry a young girl, unmarried, pregnant, a woman, low in society, from a non-important city, from a non-important family. This is the start of our gospel. 
What a start of Jesus' life before he's out of the womb. What an incredible encounter with God. So this song is also um, has the name Magnificant. And what that name means is to magnify, to make big, to magnify the Lord. And that's what this song is. It's not something that is sweet. It's not something that is playful. It's a hard and strong song about the collapsing of thrones and the humbling of lords of this world. So I don't envision Mary anymore as a passive, peaceful woman in this scene, but rather a girl who's singing boldly in her faith to a God, maybe through the fears and the, and the frustrations and the, God, why are you doing it like this? Why are you doing it? I'm not even married yet. By law, someone should kill me. Like, why would you do it this way, God? Oh, but you know what? I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to call myself blessed. Mary's song of praise is radical. It is a resource for those of us seeking to honour the divine in light of our sufferings and our conflicts of life. So I did some research on this song. And it's actually really crazy, some of the things that have happened in history where people have used this song. It is so powerful. The Magnificant is often used as a freedom song for, people, for the poor. It's a song that has been part of the church liturgy since the first century. Recited daily by many monks and nuns, Mary's proclamation in this song gives a glimpse of the subversive gospel story, the life Jesus lived. All right, are you ready? This is what happened. I have a quote here from the Archbishop Oscar Romeo, and he said, a church that doesn't provide any cries, a gospel that doesn't unsettle, a world, word of God that doesn't touch the real sin of the society, what gospel is that? This song is so powerful. Um, during the British rule in India, apparently this song was not allowed to be played in some areas of the country. But Gandhi, of all people, everyone's like, oh, why are you talking about him? Requested Mary's song to be played in some places around, uh, around India as the British flag was taken down. When I found that out, I was like, that is so bizarre. Other places of government, like in El Salvador, they banned this song from the public out of fear that those in the margins would rise up from the words. <coughs> and then a favour of mine, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said a few things about it as well. He um, was a theologian during the Nazi regime. And he said, it's the oldest hymn, advert hymn. It was once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. It is also important to note that this song is the longest section in the New Testament um, written by the words of a woman. This is the longest section a woman gets to speak in the New Testament, which is pretty important because for someone to record a woman's voice in those days, that's pretty significant. So I think we should listen to it. <laughs> So, what do we get out of all this information? Well, I got out three points, so let's unpack them a little. Number one, 
stick with me here. This is a little bit weird. What? <laughs> I was writing it down like, I hope people are okay with this. What are you birthing? Woo. <laughs> what are the dreams that God has given you to birth? What are the things that you've been avoiding and pushing down going, hey, nah, man, that's too much conflict. That's too much going out of my comfort zone. I really don't want to go there. Even though God's been pointing at you to do it for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. What are the skills? What are the things like, do you love to draw? Maybe you should pick up a pen and draw. Maybe there's something that God wants to birth out of you through that art form. You know, Mary was given the Son of God to birth. That was her thing. But what do you love? What, what is passionate? In, what makes you passionate? My favorite thing to say is, you know, what's the thing that makes you come alive the most? For me, I love kids. Like, I just love being with kids way more than adults. Like, I just love it. I just love hanging out with kids. And so for me at the moment, being in kids ministry, that is my baby. That is my thing because I know that God has given me a love and a passion for it. And so that's what I'm putting all my energy into at the moment. You know, I have some, um, I had someone come up to me the other day and say, oh, like, so how often do you get into church? You know, like, oh, you know, how often? I'm like, oh, I'm at every service. I'm all three services. No, but how often do you get into church? Oh, I'm there every week, three services. Yeah, but how often do you get into the church? Three services every week. No, but in with adults. Oh, oh. <laughs> For me, church, like, I love kids' church so much that I want to be out there. <laughs> That is church. It is a ministry. That is my ministry. That is the church. That's, yeah. Hey. All right, number two. What sort of kingdom are you participating in? You know, in the AMs, we've been talking about the voice who's been here the last few weeks. This is a voice. Mez keeps coming and singing that to me. This is a voice. And the, the idea is, okay, will, will people recognize what you're saying to be the love and the heart and the accents of Jesus Christ? Will people recognize Jesus Christ in the way that you live your life, the way that you speak, the way that you treat people? What kingdom are you participating in? Are you welcoming those who are different? Are you welcoming those who are lowly in society? Are we people who accept and love each other regardless of our baggage, our personality type, our maturity levels, our biblical understandings? Are we hanging with everyone, the sinners? Because here's a hint that's all of us. We're all in it together. <laughs> yeah, what kingdom are we participating in? Because this story, this song shows us the kingdom. It shows us what we're a part of. 
no longer put together by social constructs. There we go. All right. My last point is this. Are you learning the art of magnifying? Magnificant, the name of this song is called To Magnify. There's two types of magnifying. So, magnifying glass, we look at little things and it makes it big, yeah? Then we also have something like a telescope. We look out into the sky and we see all the massive things that are really far away and we make them become bigger and bigger as we zoom in. I think we need to work out how to magnify correctly in the way that Mary shows us in this song. She's in a tough situation, yet she sings this song saying, I am blessed. When we are magnifying with our little magnifying glass, that's when we are magnifying our issues, our insecurities, maybe things that we're projecting on other people, other people's insecurities, other people's non-perfections. And we zoom in and we look at those things and they become way bigger than what they are. You know, a, a couple of years ago, I... Um, I had a lot of, well, I still do, but I have a lot of self-doubt issues. And so I went to, um, I was going to an engagement party and it was on the other side of the city. So I had like an hour and a half to travel and literally the whole way there, I was just thinking, I'm like, who do I know at this engagement party? Not many people. And I know that one person, but I don't think they like me very much. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, should I even go? Do I even know the couple that much? Would they even notice if I'm there or not? Like, is it worth it? I'm going by myself. Oh, you know, and I'm going along. And I'm like, no, Emily, you're going to go. You know, put your big girl pants on. We're going to go to this engagement party. And I rock up. And I was just overwhelmed with insecurity. I was just overwhelmed with self-doubt of like, do I have a place here? And in that moment, I got back in my car and I just left. I was like, no, I don't belong here. And it was because that whole time, I'm just magnifying, magnifying, magnifying my insecurities. But when we are magnifying with a telescope, a God that is bigger than we can ever dream, there's no limitation to that. There's a, oh, there's one star. There's another star. God connects all the stars. There's a planet over there. What? I didn't know God could do that. I didn't know God could change that person's life through something I said. What are we magnifying? Do we know how to magnify Because it's definitely a skill that I often go back to default, default. And I've constantly pushed myself to go, no, there's a God who's bigger and greater than my little magnifying glass. 
And I believe in that God. And I believe that that God is not just something big in the sky, but it's something here on earth living in each of us. God is good. And He cares for you. Just like He cared for Mary. Mary had such an amazing response to her situation. This young girl in a hard situation, but she's magnifying God and she's going, no, God, you're greater than this. People call me cursed because I'm a woman, but I know that I am blessed. I've been left out my whole life, but do you know what? I know I belong in the kingdom of God because I'm a daughter. That's our status. That's, that's our status. <laughs> we are all sons and daughters of God. We're no longer defined by our differences, but we're united by our differences. God is good. You guys are awesome. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Jamie to come up, and we're going to do a little bit more worship. God, you are so good. God, you care. You care about everyone in your family, God. I just pray that we'll participate in a kingdom that is inclusive of everyone, regardless of status, of gender, of sex. God, you are great and you bring us together. God, I thank you that we are no longer defined by our magnifying glass, where we zoom in on all of our insecurities and things that we're struggling with, situations that we're facing, because God, we know that we can just pull out the telescope and we can look at you, God. We can see how big you are, how great you are, God. And you're not just something in the sky, but you are active that you can do things here and now, God. So I just pray that you would work on us, that you would help us to develop these skills and that you will heal our hearts, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.